Hey, if you're in Los Angeles, Buffy Virgin will be at Whedon Con on Saturday, May 19th at 2 p.m. If you are listening to this in the year 2018, it's probably this weekend, but if not, it's the distant past. But uh, we'll be on a panel along with Beth from Buffy Speak, Josh and Leah from JNL Watches Buffy, and Kate and Natalie from Get Slayed, which will all be hosted by Jenny and Quincy from Sunnydale Fanfic Club. Uh, I'll be there, Michael Poli representing Buffy Virgin at the convention, and likely learning major plot spoilers for Buffy, which we will find out about afterwards. So that's 2 o'clock, May 19th at Whedon Con. It'll be in the Malibu Room. It's a Buffy Podcasters panel at the Warner Center Marriott in Los Angeles. I will see you there! Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me... So were most of my high school friends, all except one, one friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. everyone. Welcome to the Buffy Virgin Podcast. My name is Travis. I'm filling in for our regular host, Dennis St. John, the horror comic cartoonist who is traveling and can't be here today. Um, and I'm joined by the Buffy Virgin, uh, Michael Poli. So happy to be here. I've only watched up to season four, episode one, the freshman of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And also here today is John, who's a what teacher. Up? Yes, that's me. Um, Yes, and we always start every episode with a summary, and you'll hear that summary right now. The Summary Tell me what happened in Season 4, Episode 1 of Buffy. Okay, I'll tell you what I remember from the freshman. Oz and Willow were in their element, academics in love, while Buffy was struggling to figure out what classes to take and where they were located. You know, college things. Meanwhile, Sunday the vampire and her gang of vampires were murdering people, stealing their shit, and leaving little suicide notes behind. But thankfully, one of those victims loved bondage, the of-human bondage kind, and with that clue, Buffy was able to figure out that Eddie didn't just leave school suddenly. He was murdered by vampires. Giles is too busy fucking to be bothered, so Buffy goes to the bronze, where she runs into Xander, who worships Buffy like the goddess she is. After a little WWBD, the gang of two figures out where Sunday and her gang of many are hiding out. Buffy falls through a skylight and things look bad. Until Sunday threatens Buffy's umbrella, so Buffy gives her a tennis racket that goes through her body. And in the end, the Scooby gang shows up just in time to say, hey, let's be a team. All right, awesome summary, very good summary. All right, and we go on to our favorite lines for the episode. Great lines. Uh, Mike, the Virgin, let's go with you. Sure. So I really love that scene where Buffy connects uh, with Xander after he's, you know, been on some weird, crazy journey. So I'll just do uh, start with the Xander dialogue. Buffy, I've gone through some fairly dark times in my life, faced some scary things, among them the kitchen at the fabulous ladies' nightclub. Let me tell you something. When it's dark and I'm all alone and I'm scared or freaked out or whatever, I always think, what would Buffy do? You're my hero. Okay, sometimes when it's dark and I'm all alone, I think, what is Buffy wearing? Buffy says, can that be one of those things you don't ever, ever tell me about, Xander? It's a deal. Let's put this bitch in the ground. So I just love that scene. It captures everything I love and hate about Xander in a single line. I mean, it's a long line, but that single scene, it's great. 
and it feels so good emotionally in the show because you've been following Buffy's story and everyone's just like, she's alienated from her mom, from Giles. And then Xander's like, hey, you're Buffy. You got this. And I'm on your, I got on your team. I got your back. It's ugh, so good. And uh, John, what about you? What do you like? What are your favorite lines? Well, I really like the one Nazi reference in this episode where, uh, <laughs> where Buffy walks into the university library and is overwhelmed. And she says, this is great if we ever need a place for the Nuremberg rallies. <laughs> I, that, yeah, that, should, that triggers me in a different way later on. Um, um, my favorite lines are when Xander is talking about Avengers Unite. Um, you know, getting the gang back together to kill Sunday the vampire uh, because Joss Whedon goes on to direct the Avengers, you know, 10 years later or 15 years later. And then he says, you know, once more with less feeling when Buffy's all down in the dumps. And obviously that will come uh, be a very, that, that significance will become apparent later on. And, and then finally, I like Dr. Walsh when she goes, if you're looking for an easy class, I suggest Geology 101. That's where the footballers are. <laughs> and it's just like Maggie Walsh, Throwing the, throwing the geology department under the bus. <laughs> like, she's the one who's not even dealing with the hard science. Geology, at least, is a hard science. I mean, she's like a, she's like a sociologist or something. I, I took right. geology for my science credit because I heard it was easy. Rocks for jocks, man. Whoa. I hope that's in the questions about, yes, it is. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I put that in the questions. Okay. So, after talking about our favorite lines, then we talk about weird noticings and trivia that... Weird noticings. All right, so weird trivia. Um, John, you go, you're up first. So I think it's really odd, and I couldn't come across anybody else who's pointed this out, that um, who's the young man that she meets in the, in the path? I forget his name. Philip, is that right? Um, oh, oh, just bondage, the random bondage man. Yeah, the, the guy who's into of human bondage. Anyway, uh, this is really creepily similar to Eddie. Oh, Eddie, Eddie thank you. Eddie. Uh, Eddie is really creepily similar to uh, Owen, Owen because they are both young men who meet Buffy and really catch her attention by citing a piece of canonical literature and then describing it as a security blanket. It's really oddly similar. And I feel like somewhere there's like one of those horrible like pickup manuals that is like <laughs> where this is like a strategy. Where it's just like, oh yeah, pick a book. You don't really have to read it. Just uh, try to sound deep and, uh, you know, call it a security blanket. It'll make you seem cool. Yeah, Man, that's awesome. What a great read. Yeah, the, I didn't catch the, like, the Owen thing. Because Owen, of course, and Emily Dickinson. Like, that's perfect. But, of course, it, what about Scott? Is it, what about Scott, though, right? Scott doesn't have... Yeah, Scott, that, Scott doesn't do that. But it's, I think uh, it's Owen and Eddie. both. Do also, the... Angel. Angel doesn't quote any books. He does read, though. We've seen him reading. What do we see him reading? He gave her an old book for her birthday. What? Angel's literate. All yeah. right. I, no, no, he's very literate. He has dictionary level corrections for Buffy about basic shit. But uh, yeah, okay. Okay. But I love the Buffy pickup manual. It's yeah. like... Eddie was so boring, just like Owen. That's what I was like. That was my first take. It's like, this guy is like blander than mashed potatoes. Um, <laughs> I think it's hilarious that we finally see a vamp who's like rises from the grave and then is like going to attack the Slayer. And then, oh no, he sees the crosses and the crossbow. And he's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> just runs away. I feel like that doesn't happen enough. Mike, you're, you're got funny noticing? Oh, just, I love the generic... 
this must stop protest that's going on at uh, the college when Buffy first shows up and there's kind of like the overwhelmed vibe of her looking around and seeing the, you know, various college things. And like, I, I love the idea of a writer like trying to create something that's going to work on any level and like, but also can't give any story details. Cause if there's an environmental protest, that's the story direction. So it's just like, there's going to be a protest, but it's going to be for basically nothing because we can't cue any story, you know, points or whatever. So just like this must stop. And like, it just triggered so many things for me. <laughs> like, and I, I feel that way sometimes just in Portland. Cause like you'll be randomly in a place and like, either an activist will approach you or there's sometimes there'll be a protest and like there is that kind of this must stop vibe where it's like what like i just saw someone with a flag for ghana on the street corner and i was like what the what what is going on and i have that same like this must stop and like i don't i don't know what's going on in ghana right now <laughs> uh, oh yeah it looks like me i'm just making fun of dr walsh slamming geology 101 is an easy class I don't know I, I guess no one no one ever told me what classes were easy in college maybe you guys were told like what what the cushy classes were i mean i went around asking <laughs> really <laughs> for science i did in math yeah i was like who do you ask just like just, you know like, ask around in the art, art department art whatever, whatever like whatever liberal arts as classes you're taking you go and say oh i got a math requirement and everyone's like oh yeah math 130 math in the modern world that's the easy one you just it's, it's fractions no i definitely had the like flashback to you know picking courses because you know buffy doesn't get into some courses because she doesn't get like the fill out the forms in time and like that definitely happened to me and like where you didn't get access to a course because you didn't like get your uh you know course uh selection done in time and so like i definitely connected to that and then i've actually had the same thing where people it just a normal conversation. I don't recall asking like, what's an easy course. But like, I remember I took like a bio 101 course as a part of like a science credit. And like everyone there was like, shit, this isn't easy. We fucked up. You know, like <laughs> this is the one science credit that we, or whatever the, however many credit hours of science you need to graduate with an arts and humanities degree. So it's like a lot of people looked really like they made a mis like they, they, had, they totally made a mistake. Uh, but then I remember when I took an archeology span one, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, totally archaeology 101 course. People are like, yeah, this is the ultimate science course. Super easy. A little bit of stuff about monkeys. This is great. <laughs> I guess it's a person who had like a, who had a science major. I guess there's not like a real like, cog there's not like a, uh, a time where we were trying to find out like, what's the, what's the easy English course or what's the easy language course? Cause I don't think there is like a, like an easy. Oh no, that's totally a thing. That's totally yeah. a thing. Cause, um, uh, Harriet, my partner, when she was uh, TAing, uh, she would TA. She TAed a course in the English department on graphic novels, a course on children's literature, and it was all non-majors trying to find an easy English credit. Really? Because I just yeah. took. Um, well, I took. Well, I, just, I took like French literature and, Fran and French and Spanish language so well, you're know. an overachiever travis yeah. i mean this is just I, I, not a problem you ever had to face yeah no you've said it already <laughs> just keep saying how smart you are all right the little continue below us is fine all right all right uh mike oz has got a cool shirt not so cool oz is wearing an idaho first bank t-shirt and I, I guess i know that it's cool to wear random shirts at thrift stores but what always happens is people either assume that you've worked there or whatever it, the, he's wearing inside of her first bank shirt. That is not a cool hipster t-shirt. Hipster t-shirts shouldn't be like corporate swag. It could be like the it could be like for a random soccer team, some kind of summer camp. But like Idaho first, a big mistake. 
I, I just want to put that out there, like wearing random t-shirts for random businesses, like they have to be kind of shitty businesses. It could be a random restaurant, whatever, but banks, right. we never support banks. It's not like a, oh dude, check out my Enron shirt. It's so ironic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just jumped out to me. Like I, you rarely see like words on a t-shirt in uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe. And then for that to be the random shirt was like fell off to me. Hashtag corporate hipster. <laughs> John, you like the you like you like Splendid, huh? Uh, I don't know if I like or dislike them, but um, just that uh, this is a Buffy band that we're having back for the second time. I don't think it's the first one we've had twice at the Bronze, but this is one of the few bands that uh, plays the Bronze and then comes back and plays the Bronze again. So we saw Bronze, we saw uh, Splendid at the Bronze earlier in the episode. I only have eyes for you. Oh man! Oh, great episode. Mm. <sighs> Mike, you're you're um, you're freaking out over Giles's lady friend, aren't you? Yeah, I am actually. Okay, Olivia. So it's such a transgressive move for Giles to have a lady friend over, and then there's this bit about her knowing Ripper, right? Like she knows Giles's past. She has a British accent. There's all sorts of weird things happening in that scene, and then Buffy she's not is, wearing pants. Yeah, well, that's she, yeah, it's true. She's wearing, I guess, a dress shirt. I haven't seen Giles wear. That's fine. Uh. But Buffy's like super, she's such a prude. It's annoying in that scene. But it's also like Giles is such an asshole in that scene. Like I'm angry at Giles. <laughs> like he's, it's the scene is all built around him alienating. Like all, all these scenes are built around alienation, right? So, you know, Buffy goes to visit her mom. Like she's going to, I don't know, maybe like leave school. Who knows? And like mom has moved boxes and shit into her room. And then she goes to visit Giles. Like, cause she just wants help figuring out what the fuck is going on because Eddie's missing, right? And like, she misses Giles. And then Giles is like, whatever they think of as the most alienating thing he could do is like, he has a sex partner there and like in the middle of something and he doesn't give a shit. He's like, you've got this. But she wouldn't have come to you if she thought that. Like, I'm just annoyed that he's like, oh, you can take care of this Slayer thing. You're an adult now or whatever. The way he brushes it away is so frustrating because like, she literally needs him. And like, he... He pretends like she's an adult now. And then it made me question what the watcher's role is. Like, <laughs> does the watcher thing not matter when you graduate college? I mean, he's not a watcher even anymore, but I don't know. I was mad at Giles when I saw that scene. Don't you wish, don't you wish he died at the end of season three? <laughs> <laughs> if this is how he's going to act. Yeah. I mean, he's useless now. Now it's like, maybe he's not going to be part of the show anymore. Yeah, but I mean, he does redeem himself. He, he, at the last minute, gets all the weapons and says, I just, I'm just kidding, Buffy. I really want to help you. Yeah, but it doesn't matter then. Doesn't matter. He's a, he's a terrible person. No, he's, no, he's just a shitbag for one, one episode. Clearly he's going to continue to be working with her. But, uh, anyway, it just, it struck me and I'm glad that the show, uh, like redeemed him. John, what what David Bowie record was playing? Uh, I'm actually not sure exactly what record it's on, but I do want to talk about Giles's recipe for romance. So, <laughs> in the in previous Buffy Virgin episodes, we've talked about different characters like romance recipes. So, like for uh, Angel and Buffy, for that couple, it's like a thousand candles, candles. in the dungeon of a basement, and like you know, chains. like a bearskin rug and chains and shit. And then for Willow. Willows is like, uh, she gets a very white record. She gets uh, like seven up in, in a bucket of ice. And, and that's pretty incredible. And then Giles is, I think Giles has the best one, honestly. So here's the, what you need for a romantic day if you're Giles, is that you need a David Bowie record. You need some blue cheese in the fridge. 
you need some scotch on the rocks that you're going to share with your lady friend. You're going to share a drink, which is great. And then you're going to have sex in apparently like the middle of the afternoon. I think that's awesome. I think that is perfect. Way, way more desirable than the other two options. Dude, that's so funny. That totally needs to be like a, just like a comic book insert of what turns you on. And then just like all those weird <laughs> accessories for each of the characters. Man, that's, it's like so funny. Each character has their own requirements for like a sexathon or like a, or like a special or something or like a special night. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. It's also way better than teenage Giles's list, which is uh, smoking cigarettes, uh, listening to cream and uh, getting uh, handcuffs on a police car. And then demonic possession, right? Yeah, but the records are still present. Like, apparently yeah. records are just, it's whatever <laughs> whatever the Ripper used to like. It's the same same music's kind of playing. Um, is it just me or is the bronze have blue cups? Have they had blue cups before? Because I saw blue cups in the episode. I feel like I've seen blue cups before, but I think they've gone back and forth. Yeah, they've gone, okay. And then I was just annoyed that Xander was charming and he had all this funny, sad story. But then he's still like, still kind of a terrible character. Although, I mean, it's, it's just so frustrating to have this character just be so freaking fatally flawed that, that it's always like making Buffy like sexually, like uncomfortable with his like suggestions. And it's like, huh. oh so like you're God. saying, you're saying somebody that seems smart and seems like somebody that we would relate to, but he's always making women sexually uncomfortable. And so that makes it troubling for us. It's almost like you're describing Joss Whedon. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean that no, this sounds like a great read on the our on the creator. If the creator's truly Xander, then I mean he is Xander. Wow, John shit. Yeah. That's a that's a just not letting that's a deep thesis length essay, man. You could totally do that. Yeah. I mean, and he's and he's so like he, he, Xander's like so like self-effacing. Like, and it's such a great thing up until the point where he's like and then I'm thinking about what you're wearing, Buffy, and it's like, oh, my God, they did it. They did it. Yeah. Fourth season. Um, I know you guys are on my side. <laughs> um, and then what I, I will talk about Sunday the Vampire, which is an awesome name for a vampire and an awesome vampire. Uh, but I, uh, my brother, I, I think I used to have a Klimt poster, but when my brother and I watched a, uh, Buffy, this, this season episode of Buffy a long time ago when I was out of college, or maybe I had a Klimt poster in college, I can't even remember, he totally made fun of me when we watched this episode of, of Buffy. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I hope I don't have a Klimt poster in my house right now. Which I don't. I don't right now. That uh, clip joke is on the nose, though. Oh, like, it's there's beautiful. only so many art posters that are like so many works of art that are even available in mass production as posters, and like, yeah, that's one of the, the, few. the Monet and the Monet and the uh, the Klimt. They're perfect. They're missing the Van Gogh Starry Night, which yeah. I was sad about. Like that would have been a good one, or an Andy Warhol of Salvador uh, Dali, Marilyn Monroe, yeah, Dali of the Melting Clocks, uh, but like. Those two are enough to like get those them. are like way number one and number two. Like number three is not even in contention. Oh yeah, you so. just go to like allposters.com. What's the most popular art poster? Or uh, you would you, if you could filter by pseudo intellectual, that'd be the best. <laughs> and then uh, you'd get that. Yeah. So I love I love that joke. My brother made fun of me so much uh, when he saw that. Um, the next thing I was kind of annoyed about was um, that the dead that Eddie becomes a vampire without ever having been buried under any dirt. 
which I know is something that we all know by now, but is still annoying because it happened in the episode Helpless. That one guy became a vampire. Um, he was just like dead on the ground and then he woke up a vampire because he'd been drained by that psycho vampire. It happened in a couple other episodes, but it's like, it's just not very satisfying. It just seems weird, you know? But I don't. I guess it only bothers me. Yeah, no, just I, you. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't concerned about it. I was sad. It's just me. Thank you. I was you. Sad that Eddie got turned because, like, you literally—they just do it to hurt you, right? Like, he's a mayonnaise sandwich. Don't be sad. Don't be sorry. He got connected with Buffy, and she's like, "Oh, that guy's kind of nice. She feels better about herself, and he's dead." Ugh, I'm. I'm glad he's gone. Um, yeah, I. I don't need another like Owen. One of. I don't need another Owen. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, and so for me, I, I love this. I love Sunday the Vamp. She was so cool. She had such a cool personality. And she had this whole posse. To me, the episode felt kind of rushed because they had to introduce all these different plot points and these new people. But like, I, I wish Sunday had, was around for like five or you know, four or five episodes. Yeah, uh, the mean girl vampire is kind of a cool idea. So cool. And she was so mean. Oh my gosh. So mean. Uh, yeah, and the actress, uh, she's been in some other things, but she, she really is. does. She brings something to it. Yeah, I was like, I, I almost looked up to see who it was. I'm like, this lady is so familiar, but she never really made it big, I don't think. Um, That's a bummer. She's so great in that role. Yes. I agree with you. Like, Such she's a mean girl. Awesome to like be a continuing character. I, I she was like, she was like Spike good. Like she was so mean and interesting. It was yeah. almost like Spike level. Yeah, and it's a shame, right? It feels like she's got a well-developed character and like her sense of why they're doing this, their plan that apparently works all the time of like, you know, killing someone, putting up a suicide note, stealing their shit, and or like a, you know, I took off note, taking their shit, and then like going through it and, you know, making fun of it is, is really a fun recurring thing for them to do. How long do you think they've been vampires? Like, it's kind of sad if they're like college students that got turned into vampires and they still have this like on-campus mentality like 30 years later. It doesn't feel like it's very long. It does feel like they've been yeah. vampires for a few months or like a year or something like that. Because like, even though they have a ton of shit in that place that they're like, their hideout, it's not that much stuff. And it's not even that cool of a place. Like, like Angel has a cool place, you know? Like, they don't have a very cool place. They are trying to like relive their college days that they're still in i guess their place is kind of cool except that it has a skylight which makes no sense <laughs> mike mike i want to know like when you saw when you saw buffy just standing on the skylight where did you just immediately assume okay this is gonna break and she's gonna fall in like oh 100 i was yeah, like you saw that coming I, but i i think away. they set you up for that like when someone puts oh, yeah. on the glass on the skylight you immediately have the anxious feeling that they're gonna fall through like it must be a TV kind of sensibility. And also, didn't she fall through a skylight already? Isn't there a skylight in the library that she went through? She I fell guess. through the drop ceiling in um in school hard, didn't she? Girls falling through a couple ceilings, okay. Yeah. I think she's also fallen through like a ceiling and um in an episode where they try to rescue Willow. Doesn't she it, fall? She like tries to I think that's on purpose, but yeah. If in any film someone touches their hands to yeah. a skylight, they're gonna fall through. <laughs> there's almost no alternative if they don't it's a choice to do something different it's a, like a weed and cut where it's like oh let's see what's going on down here oh, okay nothing it is it is funny though that meanwhile uh and i know angel is a different show but on angel episode angel. one angel totally pushes a dude out of a skylight in the first episode uh and it was like oh i guess they had a lot of that uh 
you know, candy glass. <laughs> like their candy glass budget is pretty ridiculous for the first episode of these uh, the shows. Okay, okay. So now, really distracting anyway. We're going to talk about Angel separately in an upcoming show. All right, Mike, you had something about the head up? Oh, so it seems like, and I guess I should make a prediction about it, but it seems like when the Scooby gang takes on, you know, the Sunday gang and kills everyone, <laughs> that they're going to take on that hideout, or at least Xander will. He'll have a place to live on campus with no rent. That's like this random <laughs> hut on campus. And like, that made me smile, but also like, all right. So this is how Xander's going to be at college. He's going to have a random free house. <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous. I hope that's what happens. Anyway. I hope, I hope we see Xander with a bunch of Klimt posters in his, in his basement. But um, No, they're all going to be posters of, you know, like uh, Sports Illustrated models. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. And then the last thing, I was just liking the, the end where, where we saw the vampire get kind of electro, electrocuted and kind of kidnapped. And eh, I don't think we'd really seen vamps getting kidnapped before. So I thought it was kind of cool. But um, I'm sure Mike has a lot of predictions that will be related to that, I think. Oh, yeah. This random organization that shows up. Yeah, that, that's clearly the next bad guy. Okay, we're moving on for questions for the group. Questions for the group. John, you got the first? Well, I'm, I actually, we might want to save this one because, uh, Travis, you never really lived in a dorm, did you? No, thank you for bringing up that very sad... I never did either. I never did either. Uh, we were we were both dorm free. So uh, this yeah. is really a question just for Mike. Whoa, uh, really? Mike. Although I, I guess I owned a Klimt poster because my brother made fun of me. <laughs> so yes, I had a Klimt poster. What posters did you have in your dorm room, Mike? I feel like I got a poster for, just because it was cool, like a giant poster from the movie Giant. Uh, let's see. That is else? cool. I, I remember cool. that poster, actually. That movie from the 1950s? Yeah, with James yeah. Dean. James Dean, like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um Yeah, and then I I've always put too much shit on the walls. I had more movie posters in high school than college though. In high school I had like a bottle rocket poster. Um I'm trying to remember all the posters. I'm sure I had a train spotting poster. Uh <laughs> All era appropriate folks, don't worry. Yeah, era appropriate 90s posters. I'm sure I I wish Didn't I had you have a poster for Chairman of the Board, the Carrot Top movie? I seem to remember that. <laughs> I may have put it up briefly. The, 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 like, the fun part about this is I worked at a movie theater and you get all the posters or access to all the posters. And so it's like, I got legit movie posters to put up. And uh, of course, you know, you they're not always the best ones because the manager gets the first take, first cut of them. So like, <laughs> you'll never get a Blade movie poster, but you might get a Chairman of the Board movie poster. <laughs> And also, like, I got movie posters for the indie movies because they didn't give a shit about indie movies. <laughs> so that's where I got a Bottle Rocket poster, uh, which, like, has l- turned out to be an awesome movie that has stood the test of time in some ways, but at the time was not, we weren't so sure. Um, that's probably the coolest poster I had. I don't know if I had a generic art poster. It's hard to remember back to how I decorated because I, I, in the dorms, I definitely didn't do as much stuff in dorms as I did when I lived off campus in a house. In dorms, like, they definitely don't, the RAs are cool, but they're not that cool. And putting stuff on the wall is, like, it's kind of shitty to other people. Uh, you have to kind of be in agreement. And I always live with strange people. 
when I had uh, the, you know, dorm mates. So I totally relate to, you know, Buffy, you know, she comes in day one and her <laughs> roommate is putting up a Celine Dion poster. She's like, I know you're cool. <laughs> Just with some Celine Dion poster. I'm like, ah, I think we've been there. <laughs> I mean, anyway, yeah, I, I think in general, people are reluctant to put up art because it's a big, like, like I had a roommate that put up one of those Pink Floyd butt posters. You know what I'm talking about? Where there's these oh, Pink, God. Pink Floyd poster where the airbrushed of, like airbrush illustrations of each of the Pink Floyd's major albums, like from all time. So we had a Pink Floyd butt poster in my freshman dorm situation. That's super tacky. I'm glad you think so. I mean, I didn't bring it up. Oh. It was just like, okay, this is our thing, I guess. No, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have any of that thing like that in my adult house. I've only not, yeah. Anyway, that's another thing. Uh, Ooh, we should get into that later. Okay, all right. Um, Mike, what about this note? Okay, so there's this recurring gag that the Sunday gang, you know, whatever they're called, uses, where they forge these notes that basically say, like, I'm out of here uh, on people's, you know, they just leave them on the bed and people, you know, the roommate finds them or the RA or whatever, and it's just like, oh, okay, I guess they moved on. I was wondering if someone forged an I'm out of here note and uh, put it on your bed, would anyone investigate? We definitely would have. I mean, I live alone at the moment, so like, I don't think anyone would find me until like the rent came due. <laughs> well, what about in college? What about in college though? Because I feel like it really is kind of perfect. Like people totally just like take off in college, often without a note. But it's yeah. actually, it feels to me more suspicious to leave a note. I think you could just leave. The yeah. note thing seems like an unnecessary detail. That's a good point. But I guess for the show. You know, they have a way of figuring it out. Like, it's like a weird trope. Like, because if you're really going to leave, you would just, you wouldn't even take all your stuff. You just take the good stuff. So, if I wanted to be super accurate, you would just take the good stuff, leave the bad stuff, and then not leave any notes. <laughs> yeah. So, I didn't word this question very well, but like, I, I actually was in an English class. I remember like a, in like a junior, senior year level English class where a woman in my class just disappeared and like no one knew where she was. I got interviewed by the police about where Whoa. she was and like, no one knew. Eventually it was found that she was like begging for money in New Orleans and playing music or something. But like she basically ran away and like there, you know, there was no note, no way to know where she went. You know, she just like wow. took off. And like, I feel like that's more typical of the era. Yeah. Living like leaving a, a clean note. So no one asks any more questions. It's so suspicious. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I, I, their gag, their their plan totally works, and I think it would work. It just seems unnecessary to get, add that detail. Yeah. I think it actually uh, ends up putting them in trouble. All right. So, did a did a professor ever terrorize you in a class like how that evil guy did to Buffy? Do you have any horror stories like that? I yeah, I don't feel like I was ever terrorized by a teacher necessarily, but like I definitely had really weird a couple really weird moments with teachers that don't make any sense in retrospect which is clearly like a teacher maybe trying to be a better teacher or like be cool that's weird so not terrorize um but one teacher in one of my english classes i think june saw uh, freshman year did tell me to stop hanging out with somebody whoa which was weird so I had a friend who was routinely late to class and would sit next to me or whatever, my buddy. I don't want to say who they were, 
but like the teacher told me to stop hanging out with them because they were a bad influence on me. And that was weird. That's super weird. That's weird even like in high school. That's weird at any age. Yeah. I've been told that a bunch of times about people I hang out with. (laughs) Hey, hey, just because you're a doctor and we're all losers, Travis, doesn't mean that we're a bad influence. See, you got, you managed to become a doctor in spite of us. Yeah. So it was fine. You should get an extra accreditation for that. (laughs) i <laughs> uh, just kidding uh, i don't know that's that's weird you know it's tough because my brother you know he he kind of had like a bunch of you know it, it's tough because my brother had a bunch of bad like people who you say were bad influences so i totally get where someone is coming from and they're like you shouldn't hang out with this person because they're a bad influence because then you'd be with them and they definitely were a bad influence oh no you know what i'm I saying don't, i don't think the teacher was wrong yeah, but it just felt like out of nowhere. I don't require anyone moralizing my relationships with other people at any point. Not even yeah, in high school. I, that's also like 101 for like adults talking to younger people, which is that like if you tell a young person that their friends are bad, they will choose the friend over you every single time. That is just how it works. Yeah, I mean that's different though. That the terrorize you in a class. You're talking about like the teacher that's like hey when buffy goes to the class and she's like makes a noise and he's like oh you know what's your story oh yeah yeah but you you brought that didn't happen to you so you just brought up you know what did happen to you yeah no i I didn't i never had a i never had that happen i don't think that that i do think it's i think it's interesting that the show is going out of its way to kind of crucify uh somebody in pop culture studies uh since buffy is like almost like canon now in pop culture studies. And I mean, almost kind of, I don't know if it already was at this time, probably not, but uh, that's really interesting to me. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Um, can I, I'm gonna sidetrack one second because I forgot to say what really annoyed me about this episode is when Buffy says, um, mistakes renaissance for reconnaissance, but it makes no sense if she's gonna be able to reference the Nuremberg trials. So I'm just really tired of, Buffy the show making Buffy seem really dumb. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. Not only it's totally that inconsistent. She, she also nails another, she nails art history in another reference where she uh, talks about Xander's Dada as pep talk and yet she doesn't know what the, the Renaissance is. So Buffy's up on her, her art history. She shouldn't, she should know about the Renaissance. Yeah, she will confuse. <laughs> Re- All right, so here's my question. I think we haven't talked about it yet, but if you t- have you taken any cushy classes? You guys kind of answered a little bit. Like, uh, John, you said cushy class was, was geology you took. I had no interest in math at the time. And so I took the easiest math courses that were available. I had no interest in science. So I took the easiest science courses that were available. I regret that a little bit now because I kind of think those things are interesting now. But at the time I was very single-minded. Now I'm going to ask this. I want this not to sound like a bad question, but what, what was the, what did they teach you in the college level math that was quote easy that you hadn't already known? So I took one course called math in the modern world and it was nothing i didn't already know it was it was basically it was math it was practical math as like a life skill is what it was so it was like balancing a checkbook but that class was at eight in the morning and uh, i barely passed it (laughs) in the morning (laughs) god i want to reference like red kryptonite or yellow kryptonite seriously (laughs) seriously yeah eight in the morning is totally my kryptonite i mean (laughs) let's try to think what my what my cushy class was um, I took this class about witchcraft and it definitely fulfilled a social science of some kind. That's cool. Um, it was just interesting. Although I was in the honors group I, and you had to meet with like the professor and I, 
I don't know. I don't remember any of those meetings. I, I really blanked them out. Maybe I didn't go to half of them. Um, I'm just trying to think of the stuff that I like, I, I, uh, I kind of glided through or whatever. I remember this is maybe not really related, but I remember at Wright State uh, when Kara and I were there with you and uh, you would show up to our political science class lecture. It was a big lecture hall class. Oh, and yeah. you would show up once in a while and like actually take the quizzes and uh, answer <laughs> wrong just for fun. <laughs> I was, yes, I was that little gremlin in the machine. Yeah, I, would show up to, I wanted to hang out with you guys. Okay, so, so yeah, so here's the podcast. You're all sick of it. If you listen to this, John and I and Kara, we all went to the same uh, university right out of high school. So for about five minutes. <laughs> oh, John, I'm so sad when you stopped going. It was uh, rough. You, I mean, you were obviously going through a lot more than me, but um, it was it was a really sweet time. It was a really like sweet time in our lives. It was. It's it, not it was how tough. I remember it. I remember it really not no. that great. But no, no, it wasn't not. It wasn't great, but it was just. It was like this weirdness. It was we'd super all, weird. We'd all graduated uh, high school, and we were all trying to make our way in the world, and we all made really different decisions. Yeah. That that campus is like all like poured concrete brutalist architecture so and brutal. underground tunnels and oh god it is it was not a fun place to be yeah um, and I was not ready for college I was like just wanted to like I didn't know how to not sleep in until noon every day I had no idea how to not do that yet yeah Mike did you ever go back to your room and feel alienated yeah oh. so I just that moment when Buffy goes back to you know her old room and her mom has put a bunch of crap in it from you know her museum art gig whatever that is right so like yeah have you have you ever had that feeling i mean i i do but i, I, mean, I don't know if anybody else have ever gone back and felt alienated like back home oh back home yeah, to your, back your home. parents place I mean, oh well it's complicated because your parents moved yeah but they didn't move right away and you have you just have your sense of like your sense of home often I know in like movies, people learn that home is tied to people, but a physical space you call a home uh, is a hard thing to lose. I, I guess I wasn't as alienated as Buffy. I didn't like feel like, oh, I can't sleep here. I can't stay here. Um, but in part, I think because my parents were divorced, I had two homes already and two senses of space. I think that's probably like, I, I'm one of those people with a backpack all the time, like an adult backpack guy. that's always crammed full of shit. And so I think that's just, I became one of those backpack people and <laughs> always been that way. And I think you have always been a backpack person. Dude, you've always had a backpack. Well, it's from those, I think it's from that early alienation of not having a room, right? Cause yeah. like your parents kind of take that away from me, but all that's in it is junk. I mean, it's just like, oh, it's toys and games and like books and notebooks. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a I'm a backpacker as an adult. It's crazy. Yeah. No, you still got it. <laughs> you still got it going on, Mike. It is funny when your parents send back, and this hasn't happened to Buffy yet, but when your parents send back art that you gave them when you were in high school or whatever, like, oh, maybe you'd want this. I'm like, oh, well, I know what this means. Uh, That's that, maybe only your experience, Mike, I don't think. Well, yeah, they've reclaimed the space in their life, the physical space they took up, and also all the shit that I gave them. They're like, here you go. Yeah. That's, wow. That's kind of shitty. I'm glad you think that because I do too. I just need it confirmed by others. No, that's shitty. That's shitty. I mean, I understand that they don't have a lot of space, but like, I feel like it's better to throw it away and never mention it than to send it back to you. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of weird. 
All right, I'm losing control of the podcast. Yeah, you're the host. <laughs> we're we're going. I was. I had a lot of things to questions, and all my questions didn't get answered today. But okay. All right, we are going <laughs> to officially move on to themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. And our theme for this week is, um, it's from Michael, the Virgin. And he says... Yeah, so this episode feels a lot about alienation. Like, that's what it's about. Uh, I feel like I've, I've mentioned this over and over again, but it's what kind of reached out to, like, connected with me. You know, Buffy's alienated by Giles, having a relationship, alienated by her mom, alienated by, you know, Willow uh, and, uh, you know, Oz being together, by Oz kind of, like, being connected to people on campus, even though he hasn't been a student yet. Um, she's alienated, you know, by everyone. And it feels reminiscent to me of the opening of season three, uh, episode one and two. So, you know, there's that kind of after summer break thing that happens, you know, but also where she ran away. <laughs> and then she comes back uh, to Sunnydale and like feels alienated by everyone, but she's also alienated. She did more of it to others, <laughs> to be honest. Like she ran away. And so everyone's like moved on as if she's moved on. Here it's a little bit different. So I, that's just like the the deep theme of this is about alienation and what that feels like. And I think they nail it a couple of times. Um, in particular, I think we talked about the Joyce, uh, you know, moving on with her room stuff. That feels like a really real world thing. Like, you know, the Giles situation is crazy. Uh, that's, that's a to- that's, that felt more like when you are alienated from someone sexually versus like what a parent or a guardian relation would be like. I mean, I think that feeling is the feeling that she has is the feeling you have when you connect with an ex for the first time after they've started dating someone else. And then you like walk in the room and they're like, Oh, Hey, this is um, this person. Oh, this is, um, you know, so-and-so. And And it's like, I was so important and now I'm not. And that, that feeling, uh, that feeling felt resonant as a good alienated feeling, but yeah. So in general, that's what this episode is about um, as a kind of, as the kind of theme. And then of course, Buffy is reminded that by Xander that she's Buffy and she uh, is the person that people think of, or at least Xander thinks of when he's in trouble, what would Buffy do? And that's, she needs to, she needed to be reminded of that while also being reminded of her sexualness uh, from Xander, but she reminded of that, like that people look up to her and how important she is. And so the, there's this really key moment when Buffy's shit gets stolen and they're going through it and there's the little umbrella she had that she received as the protector of Sunny, you know, of their high school and it gets snapped. And that's when she like, that's when the fight turns into her favor. And like that for me underscores the, like her kind of being reminded about what she is and what's important about her. And like, there's like two parts that made me cry in this episode. And it was when the umbrella got broken. And then when Xander reminded her who she was, I don't know why I'm so emotional about this show. But like those two things connected. Uh, okay, so this is so great. I mean, this is the reason we're doing this podcast, right, Mike? Um, is that we've yeah. been crying over this show for a long time. And now you are too. And that is excellent. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is not specific to this episode, which I actually think is, in the grand scheme of things, a pretty mediocre episode. So it makes me really happy that it's making you cry. Because if you're crying at this, then you're oh. in. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I, I, I get that. But I think I'm also, I, sometimes I feel like I, I don't like to be moved by things. And maybe this is a personal thing, but I think, John, you get this. I don't like to be moved by the moment that they say you should be moved by this moment. Like right. when music is swelling and so forth. Totally. But like those things were both understated and well, like well presented. Totally. Like the, the Xander Buffy moment and then the snapping of the umbrella. Like if I just watched this episode without having seen uh, season three, I would not have known what that meant like to her and so it would have been kind of a meaningless thing so like they they just it, it's well earned it's not and they don't underscore with music and make it go slow motion or something either so it's just like that felt really right yeah no totally i agree i think that for me the the things in buffy that really work are not the moments that are like uh backed by enya songs or whatever it's well yeah. like angel in the snow and they're like holding hands and he's thinking about killing himself like that like come on yeah, just like you're actually referencing my top two moment of season three of Buffy <laughs> right now. And you're only saying that because we because we have an unaired version of our season three recap. And... Oh, that's true. I am. I am. <laughs> I, I just know that that's resonant to you, but I also think that the show is show considers that to be a resonant moment also. And like, I don't have the same relationship you do with Angel. You know, like I'm only starting to watch the Angel show, and like. I can get why people like Angel a lot more now just by watching a couple episodes of that. So like, I get that part. And maybe when you look back on that relationship and like where it all started, like that's a more meaningful episode. But from, I don't know, it just feels, it doesn't feel well earned to me in where it comes. Like Angel could have been obliterated at the end of season two and I would have been happier that way versus him coming back into Buffy's life and then everyone having to move out of the way and adjust to that happening when it would have been so much easier for the show if he'd just been to hell versus like, oh, now Angel's back and uh, Buffy's going to keep him a secret and the gang is going to be, everyone has to be nervous and on eggshells forever because he's back because he's so dangerous. <laughs> it's hard. He's hard to feel sorry for after he kills uh, Jenny Calendar. All right, getting back to the theme. Uh, John, you want to say anything about being alienated? Is it more than just being alienated when you go to college? Uh, I don't know if it's more than that. I think it is specifically about college and about being that age. I think what is kind of interesting to me about it, building off of what Mike said, is just that in high school, Buffy was, uh, it made, like Buffy felt important because as both as a slayer and as a high school student, she was like on a path where she was kind of at the center of the world. And, you know, like the think about the structure of season three as being similar to the structure of moving through your last year of high school. There's a prom, there's a homecoming, there's a graduation, and you're at the center of this system that really put, you know, really puts you at the center. Uh, and then, and I think, honestly, in the real world, especially your first couple of years of college are like that too. But for Buffy, when moving into adulthood, she's moving into a, the adult world where nobody puts you at the center of anything. It's just like, make your own meaning, asshole. Like, go out and figure out your own shit. Nobody cares about you. Uh, and the adults are just treating her like another adult, which is to say, kind of indifferently. Uh, and I related to that because I do think that, like, when you you move, like, the weird thing about high school is that it has a narrative structure kind of built into it just by the way that we put it together. And Buffy's kind of, like, outside of that for the first time. Uh, yeah, I think it, what I liked about it is that it seemed really accurate that, yeah, there can be this well-defined social hierarchy for you know, a hundred people per grade or, or 200 people per grade. But the moment you, you get out of that social construct, this is what the world is. It's mass indifference, no clear path of what you should do next. 
people abandoning you and people being selfish. And, and so, yes, this is exactly how the world is. After you, it, it, I was just surprised by how well they kind of hit it on the nose for a show about vampires. Um. Gosh, those are both your comments are really resonant. You guys, I love the way you just talked about both the break from high school and like high school as this like narrative that we all fit into right? Like this very socially constructed narrative, right? Because like, yeah. yeah, once you're out of that high school, it's like, you know, life gets a lot more confusing. Yeah. And, and lonely. And you see that loneliness with Buffy. It's not that everyone's all together in, you know, biology or, you know, home ec or something. They're not all confined to the one campus. You know, you don't know anywhere to go. And some of that's the first year of college, but that would, that persists, of course, for all the years of college that nobody knows what you're, who you are, what you're doing. You know, you only, you're the only one who knows. And it just, it, it, it's surprising how much Buffy floundered, but that was the only thing that was kind of weird, but she floundered so much. Yeah, I, for someone that got accepted in so many colleges, for her to be so confused, like where shit is and like what, you know, registering for classes and all that stuff. Like, but also like, I kind of get it too, because Buffy's so independent. Everyone kind of assumes she gets stuff and then doesn't, didn't communicate with her about that. Like, Giles is assuming, oh, you're a slayer, you've got this. You know, Willow's like, oh, you, like even kind of in her own world and with her boyfriend, whatever. Well, and, she is way in her own world, man. So like, I can see how those things fall through the cracks because a lot the things that Buffy is missing is this administrative part of college, like the where do you go and what the thing is. And like, I, I well, I haven't had that experience of a teacher, you know, being a shithead to me in front of everyone like who is this person who clearly doesn't know belong here right i still think like there that's a way that certain professors behave for sure like in different ways not so outspoken but in their they don't they're not seeing it they've long lost the connection to what it means to be a student and the user experience of being a student and so definitely that alienation of like oh you didn't know you were supposed to turn your paper into the TA and not to the main teacher who didn't look at it. And so your paper's gone now, or uh, that has to be in a PDF format uh, or whatever that dumb administrative shit that they don't properly connect you with. And so you fail something or you have to do it again. Uh, that stuff totally happens in high school and college. And so like that part, fucking that alienation is real though. I think the outspokenness of, of that professor is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. Although I have to admit, in some ways, it's really accurate how lost Buffy is because to be quite, to be quite fair, during the, the, the seasons of high school, Buffy really was never organized. She would she be called Buffy the procrastinating vampire slayer. She was, always, she was always procrastinating. She was never organized. She never had a good schedule. She, 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 I mean, it's not surprising that she only, the only reason she was able to get through high school was because it was a smaller campus and that she knew the librarian. Can, can, I, can we return back to this thing John said, though, about high school is the narrative of, like, this highly structured narrative of our lives? Like, yeah. it is, you know, we're all friends from high school, right, which is important because it is, like, it is probably the only highly structured narrative in any of our lives as Americans, right? And I've never thought about it that way, but that's insane. It is insane. Yeah. And I, I think college is like that for some people. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, I mean, I dropped out really, really early in my freshman, like in the middle of my freshman year and took some time away and then came back. So I always felt outside of the college thing, but for people who do the whole thing and stay in the dorms every year that they can, and then, uh, you know, join a Greek organization or whatever it is that, you know, normies do, uh, 
it seems like they're they have that sense of narrative it from an outside it seems like they have that sense of narrative all the way through and that it's only upon graduation that they are still you know they get the the, the real life treatment and maybe some people never get it i don't know you can definitely have the path but you just don't have the camaraderie or the friend or the or the, the close friendships because there's no time to make new friends when you switch colleges or even if you're in a major it's like you're busy you're busy doing your schoolwork so I just think there's just not downtime. It's what we like to call downtime. There's no downtime to hang out, have fun, talk about movies or music, you know, BS. That's what, that's what high school and elementary school is for. I hung out a lot in college. I, I did plenty of talking about movies and music. That was my major anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I did a ton of hanging out. I feel like I do a ton of oh. hanging out now. I, I don't think I've, I don't think my adult self is so different from my high school self. I feel like, definitely had more time for unstructured hanging out then now my adult life it actually has the most structure now in terms of my times for hanging out where it's like oh sunday at four it's so hard to do something spontaneous and unstructured the idea of structure and unstructure is pretty profound and like thank you john for bringing that up because i that's gonna fuck up my whole week it's so good (laughs) all right that does it does it for themes deep stuff this episode And we're going on to Michael's predictions. Virgin predictions. Okay, let's uh, talk about uh, where we left Michael last. Uh, He was at a 60.8, which is really just skirting uh, D minus almost F territory. So... Uh, we'll see how he does and whether or not he's going to drift into failure uh, during this episode. So, first of all, I want to uh, acknowledge, actually, that I owe you one, Mike, because uh, this is a retroactive one. Mike, you predicted that Larry was going to get murdered. And for some reason, I didn't mark that one. I don't. Know, we may or may not have discussed it uh, during the graduation episode, but we should have. So I'm going to go ahead and confirm that one. It sounds like Larry just disappears, and so no one thinks about him anymore. <laughs> I mean, we see his face at the ground, and I think I may have made a comment uh, in the graduation episode that uh, maybe he's not dead. We can hope, but I mean, he's dead. So uh, Larry's murder is confirmed, so that's a point for you, Mike. Uh, Mike predicted way back at the beginning of season two that the gang will go to college. I think the gang has gone to college, Xander notwithstanding, but I think, you know, the gang has gone. Do we (laughs) agree with that, Travis? Yep, yep, Travis gives that's a thumb up, so that's a confirm for you, Mike. This is also positive so far. Uh, and in fact, that's kind of it that I have uh, for this episode, although there's a couple of things that are old predictions that I do kind of want to mention, even though they're not confirmed or denied at this point. Uh, Mike, you did predict way back uh, at the beginning of season two that uh, the gang will get a better headquarters than the library. That hasn't happened yet, but um, it's clear that they don't have the library anymore and that there is a bigger library now, although that's not really their headquarters. Uh, Mike, you predicted also in that same episode that Giles will lose his job at Sunnydale High School. Unclear if he still works for <laughs> yeah. Sunnydale High School, what's going on with his thing. Although, no, they say specifically he doesn't work there anymore because he's a gentleman yeah. of leisure. So, yeah. But did he lose his job? What do you think, Travis? Lose or quit? I mean, I think he more like quit his job. Okay, so do you want to say that's denied since he quit and didn't lose his job? I don't think he was fired. Right. Okay. Lose his job sounds like he's, but was he laid off because the high school's blown up? That could count as losing your job. 
I just don't think he was, I think, I think it's, I think we're just getting too specific because I think what Mike should have said was Mike just should have said that he's not going to work at, at the Sunnydale high school after they right. leave. Yeah. That's what I should have said, but he's not going to get fired at this point. Like lose implies yeah. fired. No, he. I don't think you ever thought he would get fired. So what do you say, Travis? Are we giving him a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Yeah, on this one? We should, we should, we should award it. Yeah. Because I don't think Mike would ever have guessed that he would have been fired up until All this right. point. I have a strong sense that if Dennis was here, he would say deny it, but I'm going to well, go since he's not here. We'll go ahead yeah, and give it to him. Dad's on his business trip, okay? So <laughs> we're in charge. Uh, Mike predicted in season two, episode 11, that an episode will open with a reading from Buffy's diary, which didn't happen this episode, but we do touch on the fact that Buffy still keeps a diary. So that's interesting. Uh, Mike predicted, uh, well, actually not Mike, but a guest virgin that we had on Kristen way back in season one, episode five, predicted that we will never see Owen again. And we didn't see Owen again, <laughs> but we did see Owen's strange doppelganger uh, who's been reading the same pickup manual. Uh, yeah. Um, and that is all for this, uh, this episode. So at this moment, that was, that was all positive for you, Mike. Great. Uh, I love and it. it. It bumped you up into a 61.7. So you are um, got a little cushion between you and an F now at this point. Well, that's great. Uh, so my new predictions are the Sunday Vampire Gang hideout is the new Scooby hideout. Uh, I mean, I assume that's happened, but that's the prediction. Uh, the random snipers that appear at the end of the episode are connected to, this is a longer one, but connected to a major villain that will involve Angel uh, in fixing somehow there's just no you know we got to get angel involved in this show we all know that he can't just start his own show wait that's crazy say that all <laughs> rewind say that all again the, so there's random snipers that appear at the end of season so one of the vampires escapes from the sunday gang right and gets killed Correct. by a sniper that clearly knows about vampires so those random snipers are connected to the mate are are the whatever the henchmen of the major villain of uh for season four okay and uh you know that seems obvious right and then uh and then, yeah i got that now as a separate prediction though you're saying something about angel or is the yeah, same prediction? so whoever has told the snipers to act right to like yeah. you know that's only angel can can get them out of this trouble whatever this ah. only angel can rescue them okay only angel okay on well angel will be so important angel and of course the new characters from angel that i've seen in episode one so wait uh, so not only angel but angel will be so important so important oh fuck these are gonna be so poorly worded uh angel and cordelia and uh doyle i think it's doyle yeah are going to team up to to rescue buffy and the scooby gang when they get fucked over by the major villain that has sniper henchmen. Okay. Well, when you make a prediction, Mike, you really go all in. Okay. All right. It's going to happen, you know. um, Just stop predicting. (laughs) It's the most convoluted (laughs) prediction already. Don't give it like a time frame. It, that just let that hang out there in the universe. Okay, okay so that. Buffy is not going to fail this psych class, but she is going to fail a college class. That's another prediction. 
she's going to straight up fail a college class. Okay. Uh, the Dingoes will finally play a new venue at co- like some kind of college venue. Like Oz mentioned it. The Dingoes have played and no people around college. We are going to see them play at not the bronze this season. The Dingoes will play at not the bronze. Okay. Finally. All right. Is that it? Can I read them back to you? That's all I got. I'm going to read them back to you real quick. The gang will make the abandoned frat house their hideout. The snipers from the end of season four, episode one, are connected with the big bad from season four. Yeah, whoever the big villain is from season four. Yep. Okay. Uh, Angel and Cordelia and Doyle will team up to help rescue Buffy and the gang from the above mentioned big bad. Yeah, from villain X. Got it. Buffy will fail a college course. Dingo's Ate My Baby will play a new venue in season four. Finally, yeah. They're going to play a new okay. venue. Well, now, in fairness, that they have played more than one venue. They played, uh, they played at the Bronze, but they also played at Buffy's house. Yeah, but I mean, like, that, that is super cool. They played at Buffy's house, but they're going to play at another uh, respectable venue. Very good. Uh, and I should make a prediction. Uh, we actually will never... Um, hear this the truth about uh xander's uh experience at the gay bar at the like strip club that he was at we'll never hear the full story on that he implies that there's a story we're not gonna hear it i looked up to try to see if there was anybody who had written some good slash fiction about uh xander's experience at the strip club and i couldn't find anything that really touched on it directly some people have written stuff about xander's road trip summer or about xander doing various road trips but uh, there is, I couldn't find something specific about that, like exactly what happened at, I mean, I didn't look that hard, so there might be out there somewhere and I didn't see it, but. Okay, so now we go on to the death count or kill count. The kill count. Uh, Dennis is not here, so I assume that all this is going to be correct. Looks like one human bland uh, mayonnaise sandwich called Eddie. He got killed. Um, and then, <laughs> then, he, then um, as a human, then he got killed again as a uh, vampire. And then rookie. Uh, and then two other vampires. Well, three other vampires. So one human and four vampires. And one of the vampires was a human. That is the kill count um, for this episode. I think. Correct. And recommendations. Um, Michael recommends Grand Canyon. I do not recommend Grand Canyon. It's just an in-show recommendation. I do not recommend Grand Canyon. What about Chairman of the Board? Ooh, that's another no non-recommendation. <laughs> you know what? You know, you can re- if you could not recommend things, that'd be great. Save everybody some time. Don't saw don't see Grand Canyon or Chairman of the Board. I guess we could recommend Bottle Rocket. Oh, that's pretty pretty typical. I think I think I can recommend Klimt is 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 more than just a really bad poster. There are other there there is some there is some depth to Klimt. So I'm going to try to redeem myself. Okay, okay, you hear me? Uh, there is uh, there's not a really good documentary about Klimt. I wish there was. Otherwise, I'd recommend the heck out of it right now. If you know a Klimt documentary, please let us know. That's about it, I guess. All right, so my name is Travis. I am not a horror cartoonist. That is Dennis H. John, who is amazing. Unfortunately, he is on assignment this week and could not, have, could not be with us. But please tune in, hopefully next week um, or next episode, and uh, look out for Dennis St. John. His website is 
Dennis Comics, D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X.com. And also look at our Buffy Virgin Twitter handle, which is Buffy Virgin Pod. And if you like this podcast, you can also watch us on YouTube. And if you like um, any part of this podcast, you can just kind of watch what, whatever favorite episode of Buffy you like. And just you don't have to listen to all these in sequence. You can just kind of pick out which one, which episode you really liked and listen to that uh, podcast for that episode if it's available. So that's it for me. I'm Travis. Yeah, and I'm Michael Poli. I'm the Virgin. I'm available at Twitter at Michael Poli. Uh, and I'm going to be playing vampire video games every Monday until I play all of them. Uh, I'll be streaming from my YouTube account. So hopefully that's happening.